Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Presented by your local Super Chevy dealers and Home Bank. Good for business, good for life. Eagle 98.1 Game Day is on the air. Presented by your local Super Chevy dealers and Home Bank. Good for business, good for life. It's time to talk LSU football on the flagship home of the Tigers. Call 225-499-9898. It's Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Now, live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios, here's Charles Hanegraaff and Jeremy Hill. Some big plays belong to the Gators, but the most plays belong to the Tigers as LSU wins it 45-35 to in Gainesville. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Eagle 98.1 Game Day. I'm Charles Hanegraaff along with former LSU Tiger Jeremy Hill. Early in the game, some of the things that have plagued LSU all year reared their ugly heads once again. A 47-yard kickoff return, symbolic of LSU special teams trouble, set Florida up near midfield to start the game. And it only took two plays for the Gators to score, reminiscent of the long passes that LSU gave up in their last two games against Tennessee and Auburn. But unlike the Tennessee and Auburn games, LSU responded quickly in what would be a big theme on the night. The Tigers would never face tonight uh, some of the deficits that they did in their previous two games. Jaden Daniels directed a drive that included a big play to Kayshawn Boutte that quickly tied the score. That drive also included a fourth and one conversion by John Emery deep in Gator territory. Florida answered the TD and LSU equaled that. And then another drive that showcased Boutte and Emery before Daniels paid it off with a short touchdown run. At this point, two things were really evident. Number one, this would be a high scoring game. And number two, Jeremy, that Jaden Daniels was playing with the most confidence that we have seen him play with all year for LSU. Yeah, I thought that was a Jaden Daniels that, that Coach Kelly uh, named the starter. I thought that's the version of him that, that they expected to play like all season. I thought when you had to have it, um, which we kind of haven't seen him do early on in games, he was playing out of his mind, and that's uh, the best we've seen from him. And I thought that gave a world of confidence to the receivers on the outside, and I thought all those guys stepped up and back Jaden. I thought um, he used his legs in a proper way, and I thought Coach Denbrock did a phenomenal job you know, scheming up some stuff for him to use his legs, especially in the red zone. So, yeah, I think when you, when you put Jaden 5 as a quarterback in your chip, Kelly, uh, that's the version that you want to see for sure. LSU's defense held Florida, forced a punt on the next possession, but yet another special teams miscue cost the Tigers dearly. A Jack Besh fumble set up Florida on a short field, and the Gators cashed it in for a 21-14 lead. But Daniels and LSU got it right back. And then an LSU stop resulted in the Tigers touching the ball for the first time with a chance to take the lead. And, Jeremy, we spent a lot of time last week on the post game. Uh, talking about how LSU down two scores literally by the time the band finished playing last week was forced to sort of, you know, scheme around that. It changed a lot of what they were doing. This time, they never fell behind by more than a touchdown. They answered every score that Florida had. And then finally going into the locker room, they were able to to take a lead for the first time in what feels like, uh, you know, quite a while. No, it, it seems like that's something that this offense really just couldn't get done, uh, especially in those last two Power 5 games in the first half. And uh, I thought it was so refreshing for them to answer the bell, especially on the road in that hostile environment. Uh, seemed like the roof was going to blow off the swamp. But uh, you, you stayed in the game. You didn't let those guys really, really extend that lead and get that momentum. And I thought not turning it over was a big piece to do with that. And obviously taking those shots on the field, which we really haven't seen uh, when you were down those seven points. Those are the two ways you got back in the game really quickly, hitting that big play 
play to BTJ and obviously hitting that big play to Dre. So maybe you said a lot more of that from Jaden. If he can do that, these receivers are very, very talented on the outside, and they'll make you pay. LSU took that momentum into the half, and hey, they got the ball to start the third quarter. Uh, in all, LSU would score touchdowns on their first six possessions, and they built a 21-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Then they played that Tom Petty song that everybody likes, and LSU's defense decided to stop tackling the way they had for most of the night. An 81-yard run by Richardson cut the lead to 14. And, Jeremy, I wasn't at that point overly concerned that LSU would lose the game, but I was concerned that on that play there were any number of LSU defenders that could have made that play. It was going to be a first down. It was going to be a big play, but it didn't have to be an 81-yard touchdown play, and that was a little bit disturbing. Yeah, I mean, you saw them early on in the game get that big touchdown to the back, and then you saw that play to Richardson. It seems like that bad bug of giving up those huge explosive play touchdowns are kind of, you know, L in this defense, and you saw Florida kind of take advantage of that with that big touchdown pass they had early in the game too. But I thought when Richardson had that touchdown run, I was like, man, that's the only way they can get back into this football game, and you did exactly that. But he's an extreme athlete. Um, He's got to do that to a lot of people who had a very similar run like that against Utah. So you just got to kind of tip your cap when a guy makes a run like that. Things got a little hairy after that. LSU was forced to punt for the first time. Florida was gaining momentum. They put together an 11-play drive that cut the lead to seven. And then the drive that uh, would put the game away for LSU. The biggest uh, play of that drive was a penalty against the Florida Gators. Facing second and nine from the LSU 39, Jaden Daniels threw his one bad pass of the night. An airmail ball over the middle that was intercepted by Florida. But the Gators were called for roughing the passer when the defender landed directly on Daniels deep in the pocket. It was a textbook 2022 roughing the passer penalty, something that would not have been called 10 years ago, but is called every time it happens now and even sometimes when it isn't. This wasn't one of those roughing the passer calls that uh, happened to be identical to when Tom Brady was hit on the toenail. This was a, a legitimate roughing the passer penalty. Not wild about all of the rules with roughing the passer, but this one was one. LSU kept the ball and got into Gator territory. Josh Williams with a couple of runs got him down uh, deeper into the territory. Third down and seven to Brian Thomas for six. Fourth down and one with 340 to go. And now Brian Kelly's got to make uh, a decision. Fourth down and one, you're holding a seven-point lead. You're at the Florida 27-yard line, and it is a, a 40, about a 44-yard field goal. He kept his offense on the field. He did not hesitate. And this is essentially the same play that they ran. They, they ran it to the left side instead of the right side. But this, this is essentially the same play that they ran against Tennessee on fourth and one last week in the first half. But this time... They had Will Campbell to run behind, and they ran it to the left side, and Williams had enough room to get two yards and the first down. So it was the same, but it wasn't exactly the same. <laughs> no, not at all. And I, I thought, kind of thought, too, I kind of went back to the rushing attack you had against Mississippi State. You saw Goodwin pop that big time run and then getting Will back in there. I thought just – Work a hundredfold when you're getting that rushing attack the way you have because, you know, the way you rushed it last week against Tennessee, it, it was just, it made it impossible for anyone to have any success. And I thought they just did a more, a lot phenomenal more job of, you know, getting pushed when they really, really had to, uh, something that they really couldn't do last week. But I thought in the swamp tonight, especially in that big time fourth down, they were able to get enough push and get a big time conversion in the game. 
penalties were not a big problem for LSU on this night, except on this drive. Facing third and little less than two at the Florida 17, the Tigers were false uh, were called for back-to-back false starts, putting them back all the way to the 27-yard line. When Daniels' quarterback draw lost two yards, the field goal was pushed all the way back to 47 yards. Were you nervous? <laughs> just, just a little bit. But Damian Ramos drilled it. I mean, he drilled it true and gave LSU a two-score lead that would hold up. Tigers win it 45-35. to 35. Some overall thoughts about the game. Number one, LSU was able to overcome adversity. They did it in the Mississippi State game. They did it in the Auburn game. They did not do it in the Tennessee game. This was a difficult this was difficult to go into Florida and win. This is not an easy place to play. I know this is not one of the Gators championship teams, but it's still Florida. Utah, who just beat USC to knock them from the ranks of the unbeaten, did not win in Gainesville. So this is in no way an insignificant win. Jaden Daniels kind of came of age tonight. He did the things that they have been asking him to do from the beginning of the season. He threw the ball into tight windows. He gave his receivers an opportunity to win one-on-ones. He got Kayshawn Boutte involved. They even ran some checkdowns for the first time uh, in this season, and he looked a lot more comfortable. It allowed him, when he was running, to pick and choose when he was running, even some designed runs, instead of scampering around running for his life because there was nobody that he felt comfortable enough to throw the ball to. So a massive night, obviously, for Jaden Daniels, who accounted for six touchdowns. Against a suspect run defense, LSU piled up the yards, 180 on the night, and the special teams issues after the two big gaffes early were pretty much disappeared for most of the second half. Those were the good things. The On the other side, LSU had to play from behind for most of the first half again, They gave up the big special teams plays, and they gave up some big plays. And they let Florida back up off the mat after they were up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But they won. (laughs) And and there were a lot of positives to take uh, from tonight. Jeremy, there were ample opportunities where LSU uh, could have, you'll excuse the Tom Petty expression, backed down and didn't. Mm -hmm. And, look, this is is a hard win. This was a a, a toss-up game. A lot of big plays, a lot of swings, a lot of emotion in this game, and they won. I, I, this, is a, this is a very good win uh, for LSU. Yeah, uh, I'm always in the camp of uh, I'm not ever too picky about how you get a hostile road victory in the SEC. You just want to get out of that building alive and uh, mostly healthy. And if you can do that, uh, not going to be too picky all done. But I thought there are so many nuggets as an offense that you can take from this game going forward in the season. A lot of things you didn't see, especially when you needed to have it situations. Uh, you were able to make big-time throws on the field and take advantage of one-on-one matchups. You were able to run the ball when you had to need it. And uh, also, too, uh, I thought if there was going to be a leading rusher, it would probably be Jaden Daniels. But uh, I thought for Williams, he ran the ball extremely hard. That, that touchdown, uh, obviously not the touchdown run, but the run right out of uh, the second half. Uh, that was explosive, and, and those are the type of plays you need to have, uh, explosive plays in this offense that will really kind of take this offense over the top. How about Josh Williams? Yeah. You're running back. Uh, Josh Williams, they gave him a game ball. He averaged over 7.5 yards a carry, uh, over 100 yards for the game, that big 50-yarder to open uh, in the second half. I thought he was terrific. 
No, he was amazing. And I thought that's the type of performances you need on the road in a hostile environment. He ran the ball extremely hard. Seemed like the secondary didn't want any parts of him when he got a little momentum. And uh, those are all the things this offense really needs. So I thought if Josh can continue to play like that, I thought he did a phenomenal job in pass protection as well. We know they'll dump it to him in the checkdowns as well, too. So uh, you can see why kind of why this coaching staff really gives him the reps that he's getting out there because tonight he uh, really showed what he can do. 499-9898 is the number to call on the LaBearish hotline. We'll take your phone calls when we come back. This is Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Didn't play up to their capabilities the week before, and, and they were able to uh, you know, go back to the practice field and, and really be more purposeful, um, be more thorough, and, and come out here and... and um, and play well and, and, and beat um, beat an SEC team at their home stadium. So really, really proud of our group. So um, with that, we'll let you guys uh, fire away. All right. Uh, Tigers uh, with a 45-35 to 35 win against the Florida Gators. 499-9898 is the number to call on the LaBearish hotline. Let's go to the phone lines, start things off with Charlie and Lafayette. Charlie, welcome into the show. Hey, guys. Uh, great to hear you. Typical great analysis of the game. Uh, there's, a cu- there's a couple of constants that I'm noticing. One, I think we have the right coach in Brian Kelly because they bounced back this week, and, and I can see improvement. Two, uh, the dominance in the SEC uh, is slowly starting to change, as shown in Knoxville today. And even the great Saban made some questionable calls uh, uh, at the end of that game, not running the ball. And the third constant is the two best radio programs on this network are you, Charlie Hanegraaff, and Jeremy Hill, and Hunt Hunt uh, Palmer and Jeremy Hill. So the common denominator is Jeremy Hill. So all of hey, you win tonight, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank Charlie. you. Great job. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it. Um, that Alabama-Tennessee game could have gone uh, so many different ways. There were so many plays. I mean, we, if we did a recap of that game, uh, we wouldn't have had time for callers. I mean, it would have taken us two hours just to just to plow through the play sheet on, on that thing. So there, there'll be a lot of time to talk about that uh, during the week. But, Jeremy, the, the resolve that this team did, we talked about this uh, a little bit during the week. Listen, last week they got thumped. Just like last year when they went to Kentucky and got thumped came home and beat Florida. And that, that's one of the things I was trying to say last week is, look, uh, this doesn't stay static week to week. Uh, it, just because you play one way one week does not mean you're going to play that way every week. In fact, the opposite is true. You're less likely to play close to the same way every week in this league. Your opponent's got a lot to do with that. But even Alabama doesn't play the same every week. Even Georgia doesn't play the same Every week, you know, Georgia beat Vanderbilt today by 55 points, but they only beat Kent State by 16. So it, it, it's never exactly what you think. If it was, we'd just, you know, take all the money we could get our hands on to the to the window. But it, it doesn't work like that. And when you can when you can rally and you can play like this after a performance like that, well, I think it says a lot about your character. Yeah, it does, and and this team's done that all season. Uh, obviously, that Tennessee game is probably the one uh, outlier you can point to. But if you go back to that Florida State game late in that game, 
a lot, a lot of people thought they were in it. They found a way to battle their way back into it. Obviously, that Mississippi State game, one of the worst starts of a game you can get to. They battled back. And I thought today when you gave up some really, really big plays and those kind of things can be demoralizing for a team with a lot of roster turnover, but they continue to battle. And I thought the play of Jaden uh, really gave a huge boost of confidence to that offense. And he looks just he looked the most comfortable I've ever seen him all year. Uh, being able to put the ball in harm's way, one of those you know big plays to Kayshawn, he fitted between two defenders. I never thought he would ever make a throw like that. And obviously giving those guys one-on-one opportunities on the outside. And I thought that gave receivers the rhythm that I thought they were missing all season. Those guys went aggressive and, and they went up to make big-time plays. And so, yeah, that's the type of effort you need to give yourself confidence going forward. I can kind of control your destiny in the West with kind of what happened in uh, Tennessee today. So uh, we'll see what happens. I got to get too ahead of oh, ourselves. Oh, man, I didn't even think you about know, that. You, you, know, you, you kind of do control your destiny. Two steps ahead of me on that one. <laughs> um, I, was all, I was encouraged by two things uh, besides the obvious, uh, which is that Daniels really did all the things they asked him to do tonight. One of them was that he got Boutte involved. They've been begging for that. So getting that guy involved – you know, he had as many yards tonight, I think, as he's had all year. But it wasn't just him. The The other part of that was if he had just said, okay, you know what, I'll trust Boutte in one-on-ones, but I'm not going to trust anybody else. Mm-hmm. That would have been an improvement, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been enough. He had balls to Malik Neighbors, to Jare Jenkins, to Brian Thomas. I know the, the one on the near sideline uh, deep in the second half got called back which I thought was kind of a ticky-tack review, but okay, whatever. Point was, he gave his receiver an opportunity to go up and make a play. And I this is just me watching on TV, but I thought the receivers were really into it tonight. I was like, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. Instead of the looks of frustration that we've seen all year, it was like, yes, throw me the ball. I'll, yeah. I'll go get it. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll trust me. I'll, I'll go up and I'll make a play. Yeah, no, that's definitely what you they've been wanting all year. And I, I think that's kind of what Jaden's kind of, you know, had to slowly grow and start to believe in. And I thought kind of getting that in, intercession out of the way last week could do a huge boost of confidence from like, man, the goose egg's gone. I've thrown an interception. Let, let's play football. And that's exactly what he did today. And, and I've been saying it all along. It's like, that's the strong suit of your football team. You got so many weapons on the outside that, that can really be, you know, one-on-one matchup nightmares. And Jaden gave them opportunities tonight to go make those one-on-one plays. So, uh, I think they were so happy, too, because they know this thing is kind of something that can turn over to the next week and you can kind of build off of that if Jaden can be that comfortable back there. Uh, it was a huge sign for this offense. Is this our friend from Malaysia? Am I re- re- reading this right? Uh, that's uh, Alzen. Uh, Alzen? Uh, Aslan, Charles. Aslan. Aslan. Okay. A-Z-L-A-N, yes. All right. Okay, how are you, Charles? Well, how are you, Jeremy? I'm, I'm doing fine. It's, uh, it's nice to hear from you again. What time is it in Malaysia? It's 12. It's 12 plus. Noon. Twelve in the afternoon. Noon. Yeah. Okay. On a Sunday, yeah. All right. So yeah. about a about twelve hour difference. Okay. Oh uh, wow. Well, thank uh, so, you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Uh, what's going on? Sure. In sure. Malaysia. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, uh, nothing much. Uh, we've got our election coming up soon, but that's uh, that's nothing. Us like, too. A couple of things. Um, do yeah. Do you think LSE will be ranked uh, this coming week? And do we have a chance against uh, Ole Miss next week? Okay. Uh, thank you very much for the call, and thank you for um, listening over in Malaysia. I never paid that much attention to the rankings, so I got a look. Um, down at the bottom, James Madison, Illinois. Illinois won today. Texas won today. Kentucky won today. Cincinnati won today. Utah won today. I'm going through the teams that are at the bottom of the thing. Uh, LSU was all the way down in the deep 30s probably not um the the two lost teams that were 
that were ranked this past week were Kentucky and Texas. They both won tonight. Kentucky got a win over a ranked team, so they're going to stay put. Texas is not going to drop out. Um, no, I don't think that they will be ranked. I do think that they've got a great shot against Ole Miss. Um, look, Ole Miss does not resemble uh, some of Lane Kiffin's early teams at Ole Miss, nor do they resemble his teams at Florida Atlantic. In fact, they are quite a bit the opposite. Those teams threw the ball a lot. Those teams went with great tempo. Those teams were really, really porous defensively. This Ole Miss team is none of that. They don't go fast. They run the ball like nobody's business. They had three players go for over 100 yards on the ground today, and they play very, very good defense. Now, that being said, Auburn ran the football really well. Uh, against them today and Auburn was in that game uh, they fell behind 21 nothing but they battled their way back and Tank Bigsby had a really nice game and Auburn was right there they they didn't have enough to finish but they were they were right there they ended up losing the game by 14 so with the game being in Tiger Stadium I would imagine that there's going to be a great crowd uh, it would be nice if the game was at night, but uh, the networks apparently hate LSU, so okay, mm-hmm. Sarah. Uh, yeah, um, if you've got a team that uh, can can run the football away Ole Miss, I think that's a, a reasonable matchup for LSU. I feel a lot better about them being able to stop a running game like Ole Miss has got than a passing game like Tennessee's got, if that makes any sense to you, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, anytime a team rushes for 400 and 48 yards in an SEC game. That can be pretty scary to deal with, especially when, when they're not just running toss dive right down your throat. They're running innovative ways to do it. But, uh, yeah, I think if you're LSU and you're getting Ole Miss at home, they played their first SEC game against Auburn. I don't think, you know, <laughs> we think Auburn's going to do much in the SEC this year. So we can't get too ahead of it. So if you really kind of look at that Ole Miss team and kind of who they played all year, um, it, it's kind of been, you know, some really not really, you know, world beaters to start, and they kind of got into the meat of their schedule kind of as the later half. This is going to be a, a huge test for them with the LSU team. We just got a huge, huge road victory. They're going to be really confident, but I know when you're old Miss and you rank the size you are, uh, you're going to be confident as well. I would love to see what the over-under is for that game, especially with the amount of points LSU just scored. I think it'll be pretty healthy, but uh, if you're LSU, I think you'll definitely be confident against that, against that old Miss program. Clock's going to run. Uh, these two teams are going to run the football a lot. Uh, I would be hesitant to – look, they score a bunch of points, but the clock's going to run <laughs> a lot uh, in this game. You're right about their schedule, though. Uh, they had all four of their non-conference games right out of the chute, and their Power 5 non-conference game, the one you're required to play, is against probably one of the, I don't know, eight or ten worst teams in, in the Power 5 in Georgia Tech. And then they played Vandy on the road and they played Auburn today. Uh, The best win was against Kentucky, which honestly Kentucky had every opportunity in the world to win that game in the fourth quarter. They, they lost the game by three Kentucky. They had the ball inside the 35 yard line three times in the fourth quarter and turned it over all three times. So yes, uh, that's a very winnable game for LSU. It is by no means uh, a, a lock, but it, it's a very winnable game. Elliot in Watson on the LaBerge Hotline is next. Elliot, welcome into the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Hey, uh, one or two things. Um, I know that the special team coach isn't taking the the punts and everything, but shouldn't that be – shouldn't you have somebody that you agree on to have back there that can not fumble the ball every time? And secondly, 
Daniels wise tonight. Why do you think he looks so much comfortable tonight than any other week? Go Tigers. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna let you take the Daniels question, but I'll take the I'll take the one on the punts. I don't blame Brian Kelly or Brian Polian for if a player fumbles a ball. All right, that that kind of stuff happens. I do blame them when the kickoff is getting ready to come out down against Tennessee last week, and they're running down the sidelines, waving their arms frantically, trying to reposition people. And it happened again tonight. You saw Polian on the sideline. He's he's motioning to Besh to come up. Okay. Well, if you're doing that when they're getting ready to kick, then Besh is distracted. Okay. Now this is no excuse. He should not have dropped the ball and he left the game. He was in street clothes. Uh, Kelly said in the post game that his back tightened up on him again. And none of that is any excuse. Okay. But I would like an explanation as to why they didn't have their returners positioned before the kickoff last week and before the punt this week, Tennessee didn't change kickers. And Florida didn't change punters. They knew what their range was. The weather was not a factor, so it's not like you changed ends and the wind was blowing. He should have known exactly where to line up both times, mm-hmm. and they didn't. And I'm sorry. Uh, it Again, it's, it's not an excuse to fumble a ball, but you're a returner, and they're screaming at you from the sideline, reposition, come up, come up, come up. This is something I don't want to have to deal with. This is something you should have scouted. This is something you should have noticed in film work. This is how far the guy kicks the ball. If he gets a hold of one and kicks it over your head, hey, tip your cap, let the ball roll, and take it and go. If he shanks one, well, then he shanks one. But you should have a very good seventh playing date here. You should have a very good idea of how far the Tennessee kicker and the Florida punter can punt the ball. Okay, and you should not be repositioning guys seconds before the play. So I do blame them for that. Uh, With all of that, uh, I think you got to make a change. Uh, I don't, you know, it's in Besh's head. I'm sure Uh, they they replace neighbors after two. They replace Besh after two. They'll try somebody else. Uh, They sent uh, uh, who they send back there. Uh, It was uh, Greg uh, Greg Clayton. Uh, They sent back there, and and that's fine. Uh, But I would like to see them in position before the doggone kick comes off. Yeah, I think Coach Kelly said that after the game. He he said that's something that they saw on film. So they did do the research. They did know how I was kicking. But I think if you knew that going out there, you should have already had them lined up the way you think they're going to kick it. So, yeah, I think special teams all year just hasn't been, you know, the level that you want to have it. Um, I think you've won in spite of it, and I think it's cost you in some games uh, that you've lost. And so uh, it's just something that I think maybe the team's going to have to deal with uh, to think that you're going in a week eight and don't know who your returner is. I think that's that's a land that most football programs just aren't living in. But uh, if you're this team, you're going to have to figure it out, and you're going to have to figure it out in short order because we've seen it time and time again really come back and bite this football team, and you're giving up points off of these plays. It's just something that you should not be dealing with if you're a Power 5 SEC program. So we'll see what they put back there. Maybe Clayton's the guy. You know, He had that actual play where he tried to dive on it when he had no business doing it. So it seems like – <laughs> whoever they've kind of this put shouldn't be in. this hard <laughs> yeah. this, honest yeah. to goodness with this yeah. many athletes on a team this shouldn't be this hard he asked about daniels and his comfort level and why why the light has come on now you got a you got a theory for who D- Jaden daniels oh yeah oh yeah yeah i think uh i, I don't want to just put it just on the interception last week but i thought that helped as well and i thought when you you know just struggled to throw the ball 
consistently enough when you had to have it. I know when you look at the box score, you saw 300 yards, but a lot of that was when you're trailing by two and three scores in the game, which is, you know, they're, they're just playing bend but not break defense. And so I, I thought for Jaden and I, especially getting it on that hostile road environment, we've kind of seen the team on the road um, not really play well, especially that Auburn game when you have five yards and a half. I, I thought he just played phenomenal. Uh, he was comfortable in the pocket. Uh, I thought when he had to make one-on-one throws, he made tire target throws on time and gave those guys a big-time plays, uh, big-time opportunity to make big-time plays. And so this is a version of Jaden you're going to get. Uh, this offense is going to look uh, a lot better than what we've seen. You think that interception was that big a deal? He was that focused on throwing a no-hitter? I mean, <laughs> it definitely seemed like. I mean, throw think, some more ground balls. <laughs> more democratic. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you can point to other times uh, earlier in the season where you saw defenders drop interception or him really – you know, give a you know those guys an opportunity to make a play. I just haven't seen it. Um, and today, uh, you saw that on full display. Even that one where Kayshawn was between two defenders, I, he would have. Ne- I've never seen him make a throw like that uh, yeah. before this game. But you know, it seemed like he had the confidence to go out there and give those guys chances. And uh, even that throw to Cole Taylor, I, I didn't see him making any throws like that. That's he, what a college he, quarterback supposed to look like. He made some terrific throws uh, tonight and some terrific decisions uh, as well. We'll take a break. Four nine nine ninety eight ninety eight is the number on the LaBerge hotline. This is Eagle. 98.1 game day. Eagle 98.1 game day continues. 499-9898 is the number. Tigers win it tonight by a score of 45 to 35. Troy and Zachary is next. Troy, welcome into the show. How y'all doing, gentlemen? I appreciate what y'all do at the end of the games at night. Thank you. Y'all give, y'all give some great insight. Charlie, I've been listening to you since the old AM. AM days. It's, it's been a minute. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask y'all what do y'all think individually or e- either or collectively, which whichever. Uh, what do y'all What do y'all actually think about Matt House? Uh, a, a true true perspective on on Matt House and what he what he's doing. Well, I like what he has done uh, from from this standpoint. When he got here, uh, he didn't really know what kind of hand he had been dealt, and there were some mistakes probably made at the beginning, but they they corrected them quickly. They made some personnel decisions that I thought were good. They made some schematic changes that I thought helped. Uh, for instance, just if you look back at the Florida State game where Florida State was 7 of 11 on third down uh, to what LSU is now. Um, you know, tonight, Florida – you know, Florida put some points on the board, uh, but, uh, you know, they were able to get them off the field. It was seven out of 15 if you count the the, the fourth downs, which you, you have to here. Um, I don't think he's perfect. I, I think it's hard to play defense the way the rules are constructed now and the way the offenses are constructed now. Uh, but I think the guy's going to be a head coach, uh, not in the far too distant future, not necessarily next year, but – I think he's head coach material, and I like what I've seen. Jeremy? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think uh, anytime you, you kind of have those those big plays you've given up against a Florida team today and then kind of that Tennessee performance, but I, I think Tennessee's going to do that against anybody. Uh, I, I look at, you know, the turnovers they forced, you know, uh, against Mississippi State when you had to have them, and then obviously you look at that Auburn game, the turnovers that they forced and, and shutting them out in the second half. Uh, this defense has played scrapping. They've got stops when they need to. And in a game like today, you kind of let Florida back in it with the big plays. But 
when they had that stops at the end, they got those stops. And so looking at this roster, um, I, I think Mason Smith will, will go a huge part if he was in the middle of that defensive line. That's a, that's a big yeah. piece uh, that they're missing. And obviously, I think Perkins should get a little more love, man. I don't know what's going on with that. Like, every time I see him on the field, yeah. he's doing something. So I, I don't know if he's ever going to start this season. Maybe they're just trying to hold him out. But um, but just looking at this defense and getting cornerbacks in and out of the lineup, hurt and safeties, missing major burns, I think that's a big piece of, you know, not giving up those big deep plays on the field. Uh, this defense isn't fully whole, but I think with all that being said, Matt House has done, you know, a good job of what he's with the hand he's been dealt. And he's got some big time stops when he had to have them. When they have big plays, okay, I'm less likely to pin it on the coordinator uh, than I am that either somebody missed an assignment or the other guy made a great play. I'll give you an exa- a couple examples. Tonight, the 50 yard touchdown pass. Well, Converse is there, okay, but he doesn't make the play. He he's where he's he's where he's supposed to be, sort of. Okay, I mean it's not a busted coverage, but the quarterback and the receiver make a play over the top of him. All right, the kid's in position; he just didn't make the play. The eighty-one yard touchdown run. Uh, this is three, four, maybe five players that were in position to at least knock him off stride, and none of them do. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, that's not on the that's not on the coordinator to me. Now, in the game against Florida State, when you got guys running wide open time and time again, and there it's very very easy for them to convert uh, on third downs, and you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback, then yeah, uh, I, I I got a problem with the coordinator there. But you know, tonight I, I was disappointed that they, you know, you allowed a couple of big plays, and then you kind of let your guard down at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But you you got enough stops. You got enough stops to win. Uh, I thought uh, I thought tonight. Jules from Abbeville is next. Jules, welcome into the show. Hey there, how y'all doing? Good, Jules. How are you? Hey, doing fine. Uh, little shout out first off to uh, Austin and Aaron Nola, who are uh, having good postseasons and are uh, still alive. Uh, what are the Padres Aaron, doing right now? The Padres uh, uh, three nothing. Okay, last I saw. Yeah, it's three nothing Dodgers, but the Padres have got the series lead. So if the Dodgers hang on there, they'll go to Game Five, and the Phillies are through to the NLCS. So yeah, and, and boy, Aaron uh, Nola pitched his behind off yesterday. Uh, he was great. Only allowed one hit through. I think it was six innings. So yeah, and, good, good call. Yep. Bregman's still alive, too, with the Astros. They uh, swept the Mariners. So. 18 innings tonight. One That nothing. was a marvelous game. I watched the last 15 innings. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> One to nothing, 18-inning game to eliminate Seattle from the playoffs. Okay. Uh, Charlie, um, the uh, fair catch, was that? I didn't see it. Uh, did... Best call a fair catch in Muffet, or what? he did not. He did not. He okay. probably should have. The, the hang time was pretty, pretty significant. Kelly had a had a, had a watch on it. Uh, had a stopwatch on it. it. He said it was over four seconds. So um, he probably would have been. Kelly said in the the interview at, at halftime that he would have been better off calling for a fair catch, but he didn't. Yeah, there's a, a local uh, sports radio guy here that. Uh, uh, thinks every punch should just be left uh, to hit the ground and don't risk anything. So, Jeremy, uh, I was hoping I would never hear that again. Toss dive. I think that's the worst play ever invented, <laughs> and I know Les ran it 
20 times a game. So what was your thought on running the toss dive? <laughs> Got well, into the league. <laughs> I, I mean, I've scored some big-time touchdowns on that play, so I can't I can't crap on it too hard. But I, I think when you build an identity uh, with a football team, you got to run the stuff you had. And us was recruiting 340-pound, 330-pound linemen, recruiting running backs 225-plus, and that four or five of them every year. So – uh, that's the kind of place you got to run, downhill running, running that with a little lead left, lead right, and that's what you had, and you had to deal with it for four quarters. You won a lot of games doing it. Was it the most innovative, pretty football to watch? Uh, that'd be up to you to say, but, uh, yeah, the guy won a lot of games on that play. Thank you, Jules. I appreciate it. I share a funny moment with you. I was watching uh, the South Carolina game, the huge game that you had mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, with several friends, and um, – they were less than enthusiastic. South Carolina was ranked, I think, third in the country. Yeah, uh, yeah. less than enthusiastic about the play calling in, in that game to the point. <laughs> and the play you broke, which was fifty, what fifty yards, fifty five yeah. yards, something yeah. like that. So <laughs> they turn around, pitch the ball. You say, "You see, he's running that same damn play again." By the time he turned around, TV, you had about the twenty yard line. <laughs> it's like yeah, that was a lousy call, wasn't it? <laughs> Look, man, look, he stuck with it, man. And you just beat on people, beat on people. And then next thing you know, you got eight in the box. You get to the second level, you're in the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, you lost some games running it. You won a lot more, you know, running it too. So I can't, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, But I think, you know, less, you know, won a national championship doing it. They ran uh, they ran a little short toss uh, tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first time I've seen them run that. Uh, had a little success with it. Uh, but it was to the outside, not uh, not between the tackles. I'm not sure if they saw something that they were trying to they were trying to widen Florida uh, at all, but yeah. uh, they had a little success with that. They ran it two or three times. Yeah, I thought the uh, run, rushing attack was a lot more innovative today. You didn't just see the same kind of just inside zone get stuffed over and over, and you really can't get to kind of more stuff you want to do. You saw them make some draws in there with Jaden. You saw them obviously do quarterback runs, and like you did, they did some off tackle stuff uh, just to kind of keep the defense off balance. And so you got a quarterback kind of lighting the world on fire with his arm. It definitely opens up the world for you to have a little more control of the game flow and kind of mix in more of the stuff you have in that playbook because I know they just don't have, you know, inside zone. They got some other stuff in there, and they're they able to get to that today. 499-9898 is the number to call. We'll take a break. LSU wins at 45-35. This is Eagle 98.1 game day. Eagle 98.1 game day continues. 499-9898 is the number on the LeBearish hotline. Robbie in Baton Rouge is next. Robbie, welcome into the show. Hey, guys. Great win tonight. Um, kind of had a question for Charlie and a question for Jeremy. The question for Charlie is the two, the two calls, the Brian Thomas pass along the sideline, being called back and the um, the Perkins force fumble uh, being called incomplete. I'd like to get your your uh, analyst on that. Um, and then uh, Jeremy, question about the the big plays to the running backs. Those passes out of the backfield are those predetermined routes, or is that kind of a read and release? I'll hang up and listen and go Tigers. All right, uh, thanks. The, uh, the the Thomas play on the sideline. This, this is what I don't like about replay. I, this is never what replay was intended to do, but what it has become. Replay was intended to overturn obvious calls. It has not been that in years. Now you're going frame by frame, inch by inch. And I, I don't think that it was ever, I don't think it was ever intended to do that. I mean, I, I don't think that, I thought Brian Thomas had a clear control of the football. 
But are you going to tell me that the football didn't move at all? No, it it did. So by the letter of the law, I guess. Um, but I was never in favor of the the game being stopped to review every play that the football may have moved an inch and a half in his hands. Now, if you're bobbling it, that's different. But did I think he was bobbling it? I didn't. But when I saw the play, I knew they were going to overturn it because that's the way the game is officiated now. And to be fair, it's officiated like that throughout both college and the pros and both ways. So I'm not saying that LSU got hosed or anything. That's just the way that the call is officiated. Same thing with the the Perkins forced fumble. Um, if my experience is if the, the quarterback has any kind of control of the ball and his arm is going forward, then they're going to call it a forward pass. Even if he is not gripping the ball, okay? If he's just got his hand on the ball and his arm is moving forward, you're going to get that call. I think that's a harder call to make. I think that I thought that Richardson at that point had lost control of the ball and he was kind of making a flailing motion and didn't really have control of it. I thought that was a tougher call to make. I actually thought that should have been a fumble, but I understand it. Again, that's the way that call is officiated. So that's sort of my take on that. Yeah, I thought the uh, BTJ catch, uh, it looked like a catch to me. It looked like he popped up with the ball in his hands. He didn't trap it. But when you go in super, super slow motion, frame by frame, you see the ball on the ground, and that's just what they're going to call. I think in the NFL, I think that's if it's called a catch on the field, I think they keep that the same. I don't know why they're – they overturned that one. And I think the Perkins one was definitely a strip sack. And I think they called on a field a strip sack. There's, I didn't see enough on the replay to overturn it. Like him actually throwing the ball forward in a throwing motion with the ball fully in his hand. I just never saw that happen. Ah, doesn't have to have the ball fully in his hand, though. See, that's the thing. Yeah. I, wish, I wish that he did. I wish that, I think the quarterback should. If you're going to talk about... If you're going to talk about a forward pass, then he's got to have control of the ball, which I didn't think he did. When, yeah. when, but was his arm coming forward? Yes. Yeah, you know, I thought but, an empty hand was coming well, forward. Right. <laughs> yeah. Touching the ball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah for so sure. You, you get that call. I'm not uh, wild about it. Yep. Uh, he asked you about uh, the free release uh, on the uh, with, with the backs. Yeah, that's just a, depends on the play. Uh, I think you, you've seen them kind of just run those regular swing uh, passes. Last week, Josh Williams kind of fell and tripped on one of those big plays on third down with a lot of room to run him in front of him. But this week, he did a lot better job keeping his feet and running hard. But it just depends on the play. Sometimes you're going to have a design play where it's a five-man protection in the back and have that swing route. And most plays are going to have their protection duties. And like you said, they do some check release. So I'm not in the huddle. I don't know which particular one they're calling, but I'm sure they have both in this offense. 499-9898 on the LaBerge Hotline. Carla is in Walker. Carla, welcome into the show. Hey, Hanny and Jeremy. Hey, Carla. How y'all? Good. Great. Okay. Um, I got a psychological question. Oh, okay. I believe in Brian Kelly's process. I'm beginning to believe. I really am. But his analytical play calling. What are you talking? You talking about the fourth downs, or are you talking about what when you say analytics? Which, which, what are you? What are no, you? No, 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 no. I heard on on air today. He, their play callers, offensive and defensive, have a book to follow. Well, everybody's got a book. Everybody's got a playbook. Okay. <laughs> anyway, he believes in it. My question is. With his analytical play calling, 
do you think that he's learning about the SEC difference since he's here? I think he's learning a lot uh, about his team, and I think he is learning about his opponents. Um, I don't know that it's got a whole lot to do with with analytics. You say analytics to me, and you're talking about um, the probability of certain plays working out more than they don't. Um, you know, should you go for it on fourth and one? Should you go for it uh, on fourth and six? Should you go for it? Uh, should you go for two uh, in certain situations in the game? Uh, those those are things that I you know refer to as analytical decisions. Whether they run uh, a a toss lead or a a comeback route or a play action pass, I don't think those things have much to do with analytics. Uh, but is he learning his team? Yeah, uh, you know it's it, it seems like he's been here a long time, but he just played his seventh game with these kids, and for some of them. Uh, they haven't even played in all of those games. So yeah, I think he's I think he's learning more and more about his team. Learning the league, I think he's learning about some of the personnel in the league. But if you're ask if if you're asking me, do I think he is surprised by the overall speed in the league or the the talent level in the league? His Notre Dame teams played SEC teams before. They played in the playoffs before. It's not like he never played against a team that has outstanding talent or was good enough to win a national championship. So I, I don't think he's surprised by any of it. Does he know a, a little bit more about the particulars of certain personnel? Yeah, I, I think so. After after seven weeks, he should. But I don't think it's got anything to do with analytics. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think they're clearly looking at in situational football two, two times, whether you're in that friend zone, whether you should kick a field goal or go for it. And obviously if you may need to punt it or go for it, that's really only time you're really looking at the analytics. And obviously probably you're looking at more, you know, uh, things, things as far as football goes in the sec. I don't know how much the analytics are going to change any of that stuff. I think you're game planning for particular opponents week in and week out. You're game planning for particular defenses. If you're going against a weird defense, like Mississippi State, it's a three, three, five. You got a game plan for that kind of stuff. I, I don't think much analytics are, are going to go into that. So, yeah, uh, appreciate caller for calling, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a big time thing of what they're looking at. So there could have there was one place where he could have used analytics tonight. One one specific one that I'm going to refer to, and that's the fourth and one with 3:40 to go, and uh, he's down on uh, the 27 yard line. Okay, um, my feel is that that's more about flow of the game. In other words, I don't want to know how many fourth and ones from the 27-yard line in the fourth quarter have been made before this. That, that, that doesn't matter to me if I'm Brian Kelly at that point. At that point, it's about feel. Do I think that this back behind this line can make one yard and prolong this drive? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you run 100 scenarios, it doesn't really matter if 30 of them, you know, were converted into Big 12 on fourth and one in this exact same situation or in the ACC or even in other SEC games. At that point, it's about, hey, do we think that we can make a yard here and mm-hmm. throw the analytics uh, out the window? There's other times where I think analytics are useful. Um, you know, should, should I, uh, you know, should I go for two in this situation? Do I give myself more chances to win? They used to call it a chart. Mm-hmm. They had to chart instead of the analytics. Yeah. But I would not have – I if I was Brian Kelly, that fourth and one 
in the fourth quarter, Jeremy, with three minutes and 40 seconds to go to beat the University of Florida. Somebody comes to me with the analytics and says, Coach, this is what? Hey, thank you, but yeah. I got this, okay? Yeah. We're either going to go for it or we're not based on how I feel right now. And they went for it and they made it. Yeah, for sure. And I think game flow has a lot to do with it. If you had a rushing attack that kind of looked a lot like it did against Tennessee and the analytics are telling you, no, no, go for this, go for this. And, you know, you're really having a tough time blocking them for a yard. You probably make a different decision. I think that's what the great coaches can do. Uh, they know when to kind of go for it. They know when to kind of, you know, pull it back and, and kind of use their special teams to win football games. So I know it's kind of the cool talking point now, especially in this modern day age of football, pro football focus and analytics, the advanced analytics and all that stuff. But sometimes just having a nice feel for the game uh, can definitely help you win football games. Like, okay, the, the end of, and I don't know if you got a chance to see the end of Utah and USC. Game ended 43-42, Utah. Utah scored with, I think it was 20 seconds to go, maybe maybe a little bit more than that, 30 seconds to go, to make it 42-41 USC. They have been going up and down the field. I think there was 1,000 yards of total offense. Um, Kyle Whittingham made a decision right there. I'm going to win the game or lose it right here. Because if I, if I give the ball back to Caleb Williams – USC is going to score every time we give them the ball. We've been playing, seriously, we've been playing for 60 minutes and we no longer have the, the capability to stop them unless they make some kind of egregious mistake and make a fumble or, you know, throw a, a pass that gets batted at the line or something. We're not going to stop them again. Our best chance to win the game right here is to make one play for three yards to win the game. If we win it, we win it. If we don't, I'll live with the consequences. But I know I've got a better chance of making three yards on this play than I do of stopping Caleb Williams. I get that. If I was doing the show in Salt Lake City and they had gone for two and they had missed, I'd have said, you know what? I'm with the coach here. Win it or win it or lose it because there's a great player on the other side. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's it. Let me give you another one. If Tennessee had missed a field goal and they had gone to overtime, do you think that there would have been any stops in that overtime? <laughs> uh, they changed the rules for a reason. <laughs> they would have been going for they, two every they, other they would There would not have been a stop in the first two overtimes. Tennessee and Alabama would have both scored two touchdowns. They both would have kicked the extra point in the first overtime. They both would have gone for two in the second overtime, and there's a pretty good chance they would have made it. That game would have been decided, if it had gone to overtime, in my opinion, on a two-point conversion. So, yeah. and I, I got to feel like Whittingham felt the same way. If I go to overtime, it's eventually going to come down to a two-point conversion anyway because we're not going to stop Williams. And at that point, USC's defense was pretty gassed too. So let's just do it now. We got, we got the momentum. Stadium's behind us. We've driven the length of the field. We got it all going right here. We got to play in our pocket, which they didn't because uh, the, uh, the quarterback ended up scrambling into the end zone. But... I'm going to win it right here. Yeah. No, no. I think at it, certain times in football, you got to have that mentality that throw the analytics out the window, throw the charts out the window, throw all that stuff out. If we can't get a yard, then we're not the football team that we may think we are. We got to go find a way to go out there and do that. And I thought with the way the offensive line was blocking all game, uh, doing a phenomenal job for Josh Williams and giving some holes for Jaden to run through as well, uh, you got to go for it in that situation. And even if you don't get it, you are at the mercy of them going for two, but they're going to have to drive down the field, score a touchdown, and go for two just to, to, just to beat you. So I think in that scenario, uh, you got to go for the game and try to win it. 
is the number to call. This is Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Tigers win it 45-35. to 35. Back to the phone lines. 499-9898 is the number to call. Jeff is in Tampa. Jeff, welcome into the show. Hey, guys. Hey, Jeff, go ahead. Hey, first of all, I want to thank Jeremy Hill for giving me the best uh, senior year game experience when he put the nail in the coffin to Steve Spurrier's career with that 50-plus, uh, I think, Russian touchdown back in 2012. So thank you, Jeremy. No problem, man. No problem. Appreciate it, buddy. But um, after seeing Ole Miss against Auburn today um, give up 34 to Auburn, are we feeling a little better with what we've seen today with Jaden Daniels in the offense to be able to shut down Ole Miss next week at home? Thank you, Jeff. Um, they're a completely different type of, of offenses, uh, what, what Ole Miss is running as compared to what Tennessee or Florida has run at LSU. But I, I, like I said, I like LSU's matchup better against a running team like Ole Miss than against a passing team with a quarterback like Hendon Hooker. Um, and look, when the rankings come out tomorrow, Tennessee may very well be number two or number three. There's not uh, there's not a better resume out there right now, in, in my opinion, but they, they do have to climb up a little bit. I think LSU's got a, a terrific chance uh, to, to win that game. Yeah, I, I think at home that's got to be a big part to do it, especially getting this win this week. If things kind of didn't go their way uh, this week against the Gators and you're looking at you know a team who's 4-3 and three with a big-time Ole Miss ranked team, maybe the atmosphere could be a little shaky. But uh, I think winning this game and, and having a big-time ranked opponent coming back in the Death Valley, even though it's a 230 kickoff, I'm expecting an electric atmosphere, and uh, Ole Miss is going to have to play against an SEC West opponent on the road and see if they can kind of, you know, continue to bring that rush attack because that's kind of what's been leading them all year. But I don't think Dart as a passer is anything close to Hendon Hooker. No. And kind of looking at the receivers they have on the outside, um, I, I don't think they have a guy that's going for five touchdowns in, an, in a game uh, on that Ole Miss roster right now. So, yeah, if you're LSU, you feel really good about trying to slow down that rushing attack. And if you're going to get this version of JD5, then you feel really, really great about winning that football game. You get mistaken for Leonard Fournette a lot? No, not at all. You just did. <laughs> Why is that? Because you put the uh, you, you put the big uh, the big hurt on South Carolina in in twelve, but it was Fournette that was against uh, Spurrier in his last game. You remember oh, okay. that? Okay, that was yeah, the yeah, flood yeah. game. Yeah, that was the yeah, one yeah, that yeah. Got moved. They moved that game. Yeah, they moved yeah, the yeah, game yeah, to yeah. Baton Rouge. And because there was like nobody in the stands. It was, it right. was empty. Yeah, everybody was uh, <laughs> everybody was duck hunting or at uh, some festival. And, uh, and you well remember that? And Spurrier retired the next day. Yeah, uh, yeah and was, uh, yeah, and Fournette had a monster game, and he actually this is how far we've come since then. Okay, you remember what Fournette did after that game? He wanted to auction off his jersey so that they could give the the uh, the proceeds to the flood victims in South Carolina. And they had to jump through about 19 hoops to get that done with the NCAA. <laughs> now, uh, you know, yeah. you, could, you, you could go sell your jersey after every game, man. Yeah, you could. You could. It's just different times now. It took a, took a long time to get there. But, uh, yeah, time just come a long time. I joke about this all the time, but it's the realest thing ever for us is you, you could have a, a, a bagel for breakfast but you couldn't put cream cheese on it, or otherwise it was an NCAA violation. So that's how, that's how far we come with this whole thing. By the way, 
for all of the LSU fans that suffered through the 90s and all of the beatdowns that Spurrier at Florida put on LSU, that's why every Florida win over Florida is sweet, and that's why the victories over South Carolina were sweet. Mm-hmm. Your game in 12, Fournette's game in 16 or was it 16 or 15 or whatever, whatever year it was, the year that they did the flip to uh, – Flynn did the flip to uh, was, was that Jasper? Not Jasper. That was Cole uh, David. Cole. Cole yeah. David. Yeah. Cole, yeah. It was yeah. Cole. Got got Spurrier on that yeah. one too. Yep. This yep. was all payback. You see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for those of us that had yeah. to live through the nineties and yeah. fifty eight to three when Spurrier was just having a ball. Okay, <laughs> he had all that coming. Yep. Take a break. LSU wins at forty five thirty five. Eagle ninety eight point one game day. Eagle 98.1 Game Day Stat Check. Presented by Luba. Luba, genuine dependability. You score on six consecutive drives to open the ball game. You're going to have a pretty nice looking yardstick. Uh, LSU 28 first downs, Florida 19. Total yards, LSU 528, Florida 395. Passing yards, 349 for the Tigers, 185 for the Gators. Rushing yards, 179 for LSU, 210 for Florida. Third down efficiency, LSU 8 of 12, but they were 2 of 2 on fourth down. And the Gators were 7 of 12, but 0 of 3 on fourth down. Uh, yards per rush, 4.7 for the Tigers, 6.4 for the Gators. That 81-yarder uh, moving that number up a little bit. Only one turnover in the game. That was uh, LSU's lost fumble. Time of possession nearly equal, 31-47 for LSU, 28-13 for the home team. Individual uh, statistics, Jaden Daniels, 23 of 32, 349 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Anthony Richardson, 15 of 25, 185 yards and a touchdown. LSU rushing, Josh Williams, 14 carries, 106 yards. Jaden Daniels, 14 carries for 44 yards and three touchdowns. Six touchdowns for Daniels uh, accounted for in the game. Anthony Richardson rushed nine times. For 109 yards. Watch me upset my man Hester right here. But if you take out the 81, okay, <laughs> it was it was eight carries for 28 yards. And mm-hmm. Jake and I would uh, would joke about that. He doesn't like that. Well, you can't take that out. And my the point I was trying to make was sometimes you will get one flukish run. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, 81 81 yards on one is not nearly as indicative of playing bad defense as 81 yards on six carries or Mm -hmm. seven carries. Uh, Anyway, uh, Montreal Johnson, 57 yards. Trevor Etienne, 28 yards. Johnson had two touchdowns. Etienne had one. Kayshawn Boutte, six catches, 115 yards tonight. Jere Jenkins, two for 67 and a touchdown. Malik Neighbors caught four balls for 48 yards. Brian Thomas, two for 31 and a touchdown. John Emery, three for 24 and a touchdown. Justin Shorter, three catches for 71 yards for Florida. Ricky Pierce, all their leading receiver coming in, two catches for 49 yards. Defensively, Micah Baskerville led the way for LSU, 11 tackles, including a sack and a pass defense. Ventrell Miller, 10 total tackles, including one and a half for loss for the Florida Gators. And that is, uh, uh, they did punt uh, once. Uh, Bramblett, one punt for 40 yards. Uh, Jeremy Crashaw. Uh, Crashaw, Crashaw, eh, two punts, 56-yard average. Both of them inside the 20. Not a lot of punting done tonight. And that is uh, your yardstick. We'll come back with our final scoreboard of the evening when we return Eagle 98.1 game day. 
Brothers Ford Lincoln College football scoreboard. Robinson Brothers Ford Lincoln, on airline under the giant American flag. This was the best card going into the weekend uh, that we've had in college football this year, and it did not disappoint. Let's uh, start you off with games still in progress in the third quarter. Fresno State leads San Jose State 14 to 10. Uh, they just punched one in to take uh, take the lead back. Second quarter, Hawaii leads Nevada 21 to 13, and they've just gone final in uh, Vegas. Air Force beat UNLV 42 to seven. Now, earlier finals today: number one Georgia shut out Vanderbilt 55 to nothing. Couple of touchdown passes for Stetson Bennett. Game of the day: number six Tennessee beat number three Alabama 52 to. 49. Um, so much to talk about in this game, but we're just doing a scoreboard, so I'm going to give you a couple. Hendon Hooker threw for 385 yards, five touchdowns. He did throw his first interception of the season. Jalen Wright uh, with, excuse me, uh, Jalen Hyatt with uh, six catches for 207 yards and five receiving touchdowns for Tennessee. Uh, Bryce Young did what he could. He threw for 455 and two touchdowns. Jamar Gibbs with uh, three touchdowns on the ground. Jeremy, uh, this game was fun. We'll be talking about this game all week, uh, obviously, but we'll be talking about this game for a long time. Yeah, you definitely will. And I think, whew, yeah, it was just a great slate of football today. I think that you got to give credit to the day of college football when you when you start the day off with some of the matchups you had. And obviously we know about the big you know, Tennessee and Alabama game. And then obviously our Tigers, you know, coming in and coming up strong. And Notre Dame lose. I know a lot of people in the chat, they, they keep bringing that up. Notre a Dame. A lot of people are extremely happy with, with Notre Dame's fortune. Stanford. I don't know why, but I don't know. Stanford's been struggling. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was a surprising outcome. Number four, Clemson beat Florida State 34-28. Number five, Michigan beat number 10, Penn State 41-17. This game really was not uh, that close. Michigan Led 16 to 14 at the half. They had out first down Penn State 18 to 1 at the half, uh, but a pick six and a long run by the quarterback. Uh, Clifford had uh, kept Penn State close, uh, but uh, again, that wasn't nearly as close as the score would indicate. Donovan Edwards with 173 yards, two touchdowns for Michigan. Number 20, Utah beat number seven, USC, knocked the Trojans for the ranks of the unbeaten 43 to 42. Game winning drive. Utah scores with under 30 seconds to go. They decide to go for two down one. Cameron Rising, the quarterback, takes it in for the two point conversion, and Utah wins 43 to 42. Another exciting game between undefeated ranked teams. Number 13, TCU beat number 8, Oklahoma State, 43-40. That was in double overtime. Max Dugan threw for 286 yards and a couple of touchdowns for the Horned Frogs. Number 9, Ole Miss, LSU's next opponent, goes to 7-0, 3-0 in the conference with a 48-34 win over Auburn. There was a rain delay in the fourth quarter, but uh, Ole Miss gets the win. Uh, Jackson Dart ended up throwing three touchdown passes in this game, but three different Ole Miss players, including Dart, all went for over 100 yards. Rebels would rush for 448 on the day against Auburn. Uh, Another matchup of ranked teams. Number 18, Syracuse beat number 15, NC State 24-9. Uh, NC State got word before the game their starting quarterback out for the season. Number 22, Kentucky came from behind to beat number 16, Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State, excuse me, 27-17. to Will Levis did play in this game. He threw for 230 yards and a touchdown, but it was Chris Rodriguez who was the big, uh, big star for Kentucky, 196 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. 
Oklahoma bounced back after getting beat 49 to nothing last week in Red River. They beat number 19 Kansas 52 to 42. Dylan Gabriel returned after a week absence. He threw for 403 yards and two touchdowns. Number 22 Texas hung on against Iowa State 24 to 21. Bijan Robinson 135 yards on the ground. Number 24 Illinois beat Minnesota 26 to 14. Illinois now 6-1 and one, uh, on the season. Georgia Southern beat number 25 James Madison, handed them their first loss of the season, 45-38. to 38. It was Army over Colgate, 42-17. to 17. Central Michigan over Akron, 28-21. Bowling Green over Miami of Ohio, 17-13. Old Dominion handed Coastal Carolina their first loss, 49-21. to 21. Miami over Virginia Tech, 20-14. to 14. Buffalo over UMass, 34-7. Colorado got their first win of the season. They beat Cal in overtime, 20-13. to 13. Ball State over UConn, 25-21. Arkansas beat BYU, 52-35. to 35. K.J. Jefferson returned in this game. He threw for 367 yards and five touchdowns, but left late with a head injury. Liberty beat Gardner-Webb, 21-20. Maryland beat Indiana, 38-33. Scary moment in this game. Tolia Tugavailoa was taken off on a cart in the second half and did not return. We'll wait to see uh, what the prognosis is on him. Connor Bazelak threw three touchdowns for Indiana. Northern Illinois beat Eastern Eastern Michigan 39-10. It was Toledo over Kent State 52-31. Ohio beat Western Michigan 33-14. Troy over Texas State 17-14. UAB, who will be in Tiger Stadium in November, beat Charlotte 34-20. They are 4-2. Western Kentucky beat Middle Tennessee 35 to 17, took two overtimes with Michigan State top Wisconsin 34 to 28. Tulane goes to 6 and 1 and 3 and 0 in the American with a 45-31 win over South Florida. North Texas beat La Tech 47 to 27. Washington over Arizona 49 to 39. Florida Atlantic over Rice, 17-14. It was Utah State over Colorado State, 17-13. South Alabama beat UL Monroe, 41-34. Southern Miss over Arkansas State, 20-19. Stanford beat Notre Dame, 16-14 to drop the Irish to 3-3 on the season. Purdue beat Nebraska, 43-37. East Carolina beat Memphis, 47-45. That game went four overtimes. New Mexico State beat New Mexico 21-9. It was North Carolina over Duke 38-35. Tar Heels made all of their free throws down the stretch. No, I'm just kidding. They went to 6-1, 3-0 in the ACC. And Oregon State goes to 5-2 with a 24-10 win over Washington State. And that is your college football scoreboard. Uh, The Padres with a five-run seventh now lead the Dodgers 5-3 going to the bottom of the eighth. The Dodgers have got three outs to get at least two runs, or their 111-win season is coming to an end. Uh, the other Major League Baseball scores, the Phillies eliminated the Braves today by a score of 8-3. to three. The Astros eliminated the Mariners 1-0 to nothing in 18 innings, and the Guardians beat Jeremy's Yankees 6-5. to five. Cleveland leads the series two games to one. And that's all of your scores. We'll come back. Game Balls is next. Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Eagle 98.1 Game Day. Game Balls. Game Balls. Game Balls. Presented by WCK Foundation Repair. Supports your home team. WCK Foundation Repair. 
All right, you're up. Hard press to give someone on special teams a game ball today. Hard press to give someone on defense a ball a game ball today. But I'm going to give the game ball to two guys on offense. And I thought the way Josh Williams ran the ball today really set a tone for this game and uh, really kind of showed the same thing you talked about uh, Tennessee showing. I know it's not against Alabama and kind of this the uh, the hold you've had, kind of had over that program, but uh, I thought the way he ran the ball showed they were coming in the swamp and they weren't going to back down, and they were going to be physical, and they are going to play that thing tough for 60 minutes. So definitely got to give a game ball to Josh Williams. I'm going to give a game ball to Kayshawn. I know a lot of people in the sound think that guy has one foot out of the door, but uh, I thought each week, uh, you know, he may have had some drops and kind of, you know, not having the biggest season you want to have, especially in the end of the year where you're probably not going to play another game of college football next season. Um, I thought he came out on this road and, and set the tone as well, getting some big-time plays to start this game and making guys miss and doing kind of all the things we thought, you know, he could do going into the football season. So, um, yeah, my two games, Walsh, Josh Williams, and Keishon Boutier. You're going to leave me the guy with the six touchdowns. I'll go ahead and take him. <laughs> Jaden Daniels, uh, 349 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, your, your guy, Josh Williams, 14 carries, 106 yards. Keishon Boutet, six catches, 115 yards. Daniels, uh, 349, three touchdowns on the ground, 14 carries, 44 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm going to give this thing to Micah Baskerville, okay, because he had a bunch of plays tonight, yeah. 11 tackles, seven solos. He had a sack, he had a tackle for loss, and he had another pass defense. But, man, he had as good a shot as anybody on that 81-yard run, and we were watching the, the the highlights just came up in the last break, Jeremy. How many guys had a chance at Richardson on that play? Kind four, of or five. four or five, yeah. Yeah, Baskerville was one. But uh, outside of that play, uh, he made a lot of plays tonight. So give uh, to Baskerville and Daniels are my two game balls. We'll come back and wrap things up. Eagle 98.1 game day. Eagle 98.1 game day wrapping up. Tigers with a really nice win, 45-35 to 35 over the Florida Gators. This first time LSU has ever beaten Florida and Auburn on the road in the same year. Nice little, uh, nice little nugget, uh, nice little stat there for uh, yeah. for Brian Kelly at week number one. They overcame adversity. Jaden Daniels had a great game. They made some big plays. They held on late. Good win. Tigers come back. Big big home game with the undefeated Ole Miss Rebels coming to town next week before LSU goes into the bye. So going to be a lot of fun. Uh, great day of college football. A big day in the NFL tomorrow. Jimmy Ott's, uh football Sunday. At 10 a.m. on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge, leading into uh, we got the Saints and the Bengals on Eagle, and then uh, you got Bills and Chiefs, you got Cowboys and Eagles. Great day of pro football tomorrow. Hope uh, that uh, you're with us on Mondays. We'll recap the whole thing. Final score once again: LSU 45 and Florida 35. For Mike Taylor and Jeremy, I'm Charles Hanniger saying thank you and good afternoon. It's actually. Quite early in the morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's been a long day. Thank you, everybody. It's been Eagle 98.1 Game Day.